0: First Paw Media, nobody covers dog sledding like mushing from First Paw Media. Our team of athletes, volunteers, race organizers, and mushers like Robert and Michelle Forto brings you closer to the sport. If it's happening, we are there. Live from the qualifying races in January and February, the Iditarod in March, and in the summer, mushing takes you on the road with our team and trail tour. We connect you with a history of the sport, in-depth interviews with the top mushers, and great storytelling and breaking news all year long. Follow on mushing.com. You are listening to Mushing on First Paw Media. Visit our website at mushing.com. Hello and welcome everybody. This
1: is Robert and you're listening to Mushing and I am joined by a special guest tonight. She is calling in from Deer Lodge, Montana. She has one heck of a story about Her and her life with sled dogs. Her name is Ashley Cruz. Ashley, how's it going tonight?
2: Oh, it's going great. How about you?
1: I am doing well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Could you do us a favor, Ashley, and tell us who you are and what you're all about, please?
2: All right. um, My name is Ashley Cruz Elliott. Um, So I am a former heroin addict. I got about five years clean and sober. Um, Dog mushing has been a huge part of that. I uh, got back into dog machine about it two years ago, after uh, about 10 years off, and uh, it basically saved my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to talking about that. I know you shared your, your backstory with me, and I'm going to put the full shebang on your show notes page, but can you tell us a bit about that, because it is one heck of a story.
2: Yeah. So I started using when I was probably about 16. I'm on the autism spectrum. And so and then my family moved a lot uh, throughout my middle school and high school years. So I didn't really have social skills. And uh, my dog was always my best friend, you know, and I I guess at that age, you know, when people are 16, they got hormones going and they want to you know, they want to fit in and really the people that only accepted me were the people that used drugs and alcohol by the time i was 19 i was a full-blown heroin addict um and i lived basically traveled parts of the western united states and lived in tents and uh, cars and did a whole bunch of drugs and got in a whole lot of trouble <laughs> and uh so I, I mean, I went, kind of went through a whole lot and the worst of the worst.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you shared your story, I, I've lived in, in uh, Portland, Oregon, where, where you did and uh, very familiar with, with uh, the Pacific Northwest. And I know for, for years, there's been a lot of problems there. I, I went to school there in the early nineties. And of course, um, Things have have gotten worse there for a lot of folks. Oh yeah. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about that, if if you care to, about sort of sort of a day in the life, if you will, of of you know being in that situation, and then of course how we'll definitely talk about how you rose above that, and and, and where you're at today.
2: Yeah. So um, the thing with opiates is you get physically addicted to them. You. Uh, can't you you get really sick if you don't have them and uh when i was down in portland well and then also up north of seattle you know i was living in a tent even even when it was cold and snowy I and mean, granted it doesn't get as cold there as it does here in montana and i would spend my days you know stealing stuff i, I remember my ex-husband was also a heroin addict and we had this thing where he would go i would go hide alcohol <laughs> From the store, and then he would go and act like a different customer and steal the alcohol. And then we had people we'd sell it to, and uh, to buy our drugs. And then I did a lot of panhandling too. Um, I, I, I would stand outside all day holding the sign out in the rain, the snow, the cold. It didn't really matter. Um, and obviously, because you're busy uh, finding drugs all day, you can't make it to the homeless shelter to eat. So. Uh, you know, you had to find ways to hustle up food, too. Um, I, You know, uh, digging in trash cans. Or sometimes people give you those care kits when you're panhandling or whatever. Uh, the police in the uh, town that I stayed in didn't like me very much. They actually uh, tr- used to take photographs of me standing there holding a the sign and uh, tried to humiliate me. They made a law that made it illegal to panhandle in one of the towns I was in because of me. Uh, I I was a huge nuisance, <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> and, and when when you were in that lifestyle, obviously it's it's literally hand to mouth, twenty four hours a day. Yes. You're doing everything you possibly can to to literally survive to the next day. What did yes. it take to finally say, this is enough, I have to I have to do something else, I have to make a change. Was there a monumental shift? Was it a particular event? What led to that immediate switch if it was immediate?
2: It was kind it was a little it took a little time. it wasn't completely immediate. but what happened is my ex-husband got arrested and he went to jail for 13 felonies and uh he got put on drug court and so he couldn't use drugs and i had you know i went to treatment too and tried to stay sober with him and stuff and we we just ended up separating and uh without him without another addict right there next to me you know pushing me along hey let's go do this let's go do that you know um i i managed to you know do a little better without him and uh, the place that actually changed my life was the Salvation Army. uh, They have a program called the ARC. They have them all over the country, and it's a six-month-long program, and you go in there, and it's not a normal treatment center. Most treatment centers just have you sit in classes all day, and you stay locked up and stuff like that, but these people, you gradually got more and more freedom each month or like as you gained it and they, they brought you to work in their warehouses and they, they teach you how to be a normal human being. And that's the place that completely changed my life. It was the ninth treatment center I'd ever went to.
1: So I'm sure a lot of people, we're six minutes into this right now, Ashley, and a lot of people are probably listening to this thinking, what in the world does this have to do with dog mushing? And yeah. It's a very interesting story because when you were a little girl, I believe you said nine years old, you were uh, doing things with sled dogs. You were bike joring and skateboarding and all those things that that little kids do with their with their soon to be sled dogs, and that went on for several years until you found yourself in this situation. But of course, as you say right now, and how you and I connected over on TikTok you said that sled dogs truly changed your life. So I guess the first question I have for you is when you were in that situation, were you ever thinking about those early days with, with the sled dogs and that sort of stuff?
2: All the time. Um, and that, you know, oftentimes, you know, sometimes people let me stay with them and I would train their dogs. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, I would always interact with these people's dogs and I did have a couple dogs while I was homeless on the streets. Uh, I had some boxers that kind of went with me everywhere until my husband sold them when I was in jail. But, and you know, I really missed my dogs and I love dogs, but I just, I knew I was not in a position to be able to, you know, have dogs. I kept hoping saying someday I'd get back into it. I never thought I would though.
1: And, and obviously uh, now that you're done with treatment and clean and sober and all that, when did you get the dogs that you have right now that you share on social media, that you talk about on stories and
2: that sort of thing? So I got Roly and 2019, he's my, uh, my bully mix. And I, well, that's what changed my life. I had mostly stayed clean, um, after I got out of the Salvation Army, but I would still occasionally drink or uh, go on a bender on a weekend or whatever. And then I found this little tiny puppy I, on Craigslist. Yes, I know I'm not shouldn't have be buying dogs off Craigslist, but that's where I got him. And uh, I decided to train him as my diabetic alert dog. And training this dog and forming a bond with him just completely changed me like i just gradually stopped having a desire to use drugs and stuff and with him i started bike joring again and then once i started doing that i was hooked again and i was like all right i gotta start getting more dogs and so two years ago i started accumulating more dogs <laughs> i have a friend that uh breeds these uh, husky mixes and I got a couple of them from her, and then I've gotten a few more rescues. Um, and my, my dogs aren't super fast, but I sure love my dogs. <laughs> so you
1: had said, Ashley, that uh, during this, this troubling time in your life, you were spending a lot of time in Portland, Seattle, sort of on the Western side of the Pacific Northwest. How did you make your way to Montana and what's the connection
2: there? So I was actually, I grew up in Eastern Montana and Fort Peck and uh, my, we moved away from Fort Peck when I was probably 13, something like that. And then my dad started, my dad was in the FBI and he started getting promotions. And with each promotion we would move and stuff. And my family loves Montana. And they decided to move back after I graduated high school. and. So I had, I lived in Montana for a little while and then I was like, I can't find, you know, I didn't like it at the time. <laughs> Cause I was trying to party, you know? And so yeah, there's not a whole lot of partying in Montana. And, uh, so I, I left and I went to Portland and Seattle and all those places. And, uh, for many years. And when I got clean and sober, out of the Salvation Army, I tried to stay in Washington. I tried, but the drugs are so bad over there. There are, it's really bad. And so I I just couldn't stay. And so I I called my parents and I I called my best friend Nels. And he was like, look, I'll come and I will drive all the way to Washington and I will pick you up. And he took me back here to Montana. And um, I stayed with my parents for a couple weeks until I got into my own place. And, uh, that's kind of how I ended up back here. I always said I would never go back to Montana, (laughs) but now I love it. And I, I don't want to (laughs) leave.
1: So you had mentioned Ashley, that your dad was in the FBI. So that's almost polar opposites to your lifestyle. What did, what did they think about all of this? And of course, as, as you got clean and, and as you said, you went back and, lived with, with them for a while, I would imagine that was a, a heck of a conversation.
2: Yes, yes it was. And, and you know, I got in trouble a lot and I would... Uh, my poor dad, I feel so bad for my parents. I put them through the ringer, you know? Um, and I'm sure my it didn't make my dad look very good to the other law enforcement professionals, you know? And everybody... Um, they, I wasn't, they didn't communicate with me when I was in active use other than, you know, maybe a text message to make sure I'm alive and stuff like that. Um, they mostly just uh, let me do my stuff. And they took my daughter um, when she was six months old. Uh, they, they, they adopted my daughter because they knew that I wasn't going to be able to take care of her. And so, you know, they've been good. And that they've been great now that I'm sober and clean. They did not trust me at first. It has taken many years to build that trust back up.
1: Yeah, I bet. And now that you are back in, in their life, so to speak, and doing doing well with, with everything that you're doing, and of course, uh, doing the dog mushing thing, let's talk about that. I just saw on, I believe it was on Facebook right before we recorded, you were out Uh, I guess today or or very soon to now, out with a team of dogs in a beautiful area there, plenty of snow on the ground. Tell us about your life right now with your sled dogs and what's what's sort of the day-to-day now compared to how it was back then in those dark days.
2: So it's probably just as hard (laughs) but that's the whole thing as an addict you kind of crave that constant moving constant doing something lifestyle and i think that's part of the reason i could not stay sober before is because i was working a normal job just go there and then go home and watch tv all day now i i live in a tiny 16 foot camper and uh, my friend and work and live at my friend's uh, show dog kennel she shows golden retrievers and I take care of her dogs, and then I am able to have my dogs there. And so normally, most days I wake up early, I take care of all her dogs and my dogs, and then I pick three or four dogs to go to work with me, and I drive into Helena, because I have a poop scooping business. I'm a professional poop scooper, and uh, I go scoop poop all day in Helena, and then by the time I get home, I have to take care of her dogs again, and feed my dogs and do all the kennel chores and so I'm falling into bed late at night and waking up early.
1: <laughs> and, and, and that definitely keeps you busy for sure. I'm sure everybody that is listening to this, Ashley, have, has heard the, the statement or comment, uh, uh, once an addict, always an addict. Uh, do you still have those urges or cravings from from back then in the day?
2: You know, it's been about five years and I will occasionally, occasionally if I watch like a movie or something about addiction or I can't watch shows like Intervention with people doing drugs because that will make me think about it. But the thing that keeps me from using is because I've just watched all my friends die all my former addict friends, they've all been dying the last couple of years from fentanyl. It's all fentanyl. And I think about what would happen to my dogs if I died. That's all, you know, and that's, it terrifies me. And so I won't, I won't do it. I, and it's mainly because of my dogs. I, I mean, I do think about using, but I don't have that extreme desire to go out and get high. I can find something else to do. I get the same adrenaline rush from running my dogs you know it's not more and you were
1: talking earlier about um your friend and and what you do for i believe it's her with with her show dogs um obviously that's part of your support system everybody needs a support system whether they're an addict or or not you know we all need those people in our corner do you have a pretty strong support system now
2: yes i do um i i'm a adherent in the salvation army and so you know if i i ever needed help or whatever they would help me. Uh, I, I, my family is very, they have my back <laughs> now. Which it just, it's amazing because they never used to, you know, they wouldn't give me money before they wouldn't help me and I don't blame them. Um, but now that I'm clean and sober, my family, you know, they, they're there for me. And then my boss, her, um, Florence, <clears throat> you know, she, she's been amazing. You know, she puts up with a lot of crap from me and, uh, but she's very supportive of me. And she's the one that I went out today running my dogs and she got a bunch of pictures for, of me and followed behind us and stuff. And I don't have a, a lot of people uh, other than her and my parents. That's my main, main support system.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the dogs or, or one dog in particular on our show. If, if you've ever listened to Ashley, we always like to showcase or tell a story about one of your dogs. Can you share that with us?
2: oh yes okay so we're going to talk about broly he's my little bully mix he runs on my team as long as it's not you know 40 below and uh last last year i fell off the sled and the dogs kept going you know just like they do and i started calling to broly and uh broly chewed through his neckline and ran the opposite direction to come to me and got those dogs to stop. <laughs> it was amazing. And uh, he's, just, he's a pretty amazing dog. I wish he would uh, line out better though. <laughs> he <laughs> likes to turn around and look at me.
1: <laughs> so you had said that he was a, a bully mix and you had said that your other dogs are more typical of uh, of, a, of a mushing type dog. Yes. Uh, how, yeah, how how do they fit together? How do they run together with those sort of polar opposites of a you know kind of a sleek athletic um, sled dog, if you will, and a more muscular working type dog?
2: Yeah, um, the, so the huskies they get kind of frustrated when I have Broly on the team because he slows them down a lot. Uh, he's more strength than he is uh, in, in speed. But the, those, the Huskies, they do, they do pretty good with him. Um, I will oftentimes just let him run for a little bit on the gang line and I'll unhook him and let him free run so they can go all out because they he does slow them down a lot. And then he also has worse feet. His feet don't do as well in the cold, you know, and he has to wear a coat. And so sometimes I just leave him home and let just the Huskies run.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Ashley, people listen to this show all over the world and they are involved in dog sports of many different kinds. Of course, we have folks that run Iditarod and the Quest and, you know, long distance races over in Europe. And then we have people that, you know, just can across with their dog and it might be a golden retriever or a dachshund or whatever. So there's all sorts of different types of people. That listen to our show. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on not only to tell your story and how you overcame that, but to showcase how it doesn't always have to be the prototypical uh, sled dog look, if you will, they can be of any size of any type, can't they?
2: Yes. In fact, sometimes I run my boss's Golden's on the team and man, they are hardworking dogs. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and, and that's not saying that, uh, that these, uh, atypical dogs could, you know, enter into a race and you know blaze the trail on Iditarod yeah. or something like that. But as a recreational type musher or dog enthusiast or whatever, it, it, pretty much the sky's the limit, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yes, most definitely. I, I I, I, can use just about any dog here in the channel. And, maybe, you know, I, I know a woman on social media that, that she does, she has her little wiener dog pull her on her scooter. So,
1: yeah, I <laughs> can
2: literally I, do any dog. Yeah, I, I went down
1: and did a um, canine obstacle course challenge in Alabama. Uh, earlier this fall and one of the most popular dogs there of course most of the dogs were like canine cop dogs you know like malinois and german shepherds and you know those kind of yeah. dogs and there was a lady there with a little a little uh, dachshund you know just a li- the smallest <laughs> dog possible and they were literally tearing up the trail and people were just taking pictures and of course sharing it on social media and all of that it was a cool thing to see which brings me to my next question before we run out of time i have a couple of questions here to go so as we've talked about the top you and i connected over on tiktok and i'm sure people are listening thinking what's this guy who's 50 some years old doing on tiktok but that's where you and i connected (laughs) and i know that you share you share a lot of stuff there what is your what's your message on social media what are you trying to what are you trying to promote if you will what are you trying to say
2: well i want to show that just anybody can do this i mean anybody can mush anybody can you know if your dogs aren't really dogs like to work that's what they like to do you know and so i think that and also you can overcome adversity and you can Live your dream. You know, I'm living what I wanted to live, you know, as a small child. My mom just sent me all these letters, journals and stuff I had written when I was a kid. And all it was was talking about dogs. Fighting. And and I'm, I'm, I'm living that dream now. And, uh, you know, you can over if I can overcome, you know, my issues and run dogs, you know, anybody can. And I, I just like to share what my dogs are doing and what I'm doing and uh actually, oh, that's
1: about it <laughs> and that leads that really leads to my last question and that is you you had mentioned that you'd had overcome pretty much the worst of the worst to get where you're at right now so with all that behind you what does the future look like what are your, what are your plans uh with with your dogs or or without what's happening in the next few years
2: well so i've been talking to people for a while. Um, there's a. Uh, I would like to eventually get a mushing kennel together that is basically kind of like a halfway house where you have addicts come live there and work there. I know there are farms that do that um, where they're, they get people in active addiction and they bring them out in the middle of nowhere and they put them to work on the farm. And you know some it helps some people. I think the connection with animals can change your life um and i think that if a lot of people more people were exposed to these dogs and they could maybe find something else that gives them that same feeling as drugs to be able to stay clean and i don't know how to even get started with anything like that but (laughs) hopefully the right person will come into my my life and show me what to do (laughs) because
1: Yeah, you, you never know. So yeah, definitely. Uh, good luck with that and and all that you're doing. Before we go, Ashley, is there anything else that you want to say? Any message that you want to promote here on the podcast? Before I ask where people can follow you and this sort of thing.
2: Um, I can't really think of too much other than, uh, you know, just go for it. Go for your dreams. I I, I basically. My best friend died and that prompted me to sell all my stuff and move into a camper. You know, I I trust that my higher power will take care of me. And so far I've been taken care of. Everything always works out even when I don't think it does. You know, if you're meant to be doing it, you're gonna do it.
1: There you go. So Ashley, how can folks follow you? Where are you most active?
2: I'm most active just on TikTok and on Facebook. My Facebook is uh, Ashley J. Cruz Elliott. <laughs> and that's two L's, two T's for Elliott. Okay. And then my TikTok. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going <laughs> to say,
1: what what is your uh, handle or whatever it's called on TikTok?
2: My handle on TikTok is at the Dog Squad LLC. That's the name of my poop scooping business.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, Ashley, thank you very much for joining us today and sharing your story. I'm sure it will resonate with a lot of folks. And uh, it's not often that uh, people have the courage to share their stories like you did. So thanks a lot. And for everybody listening, thank you for joining us this week. And we will talk
0: to you guys next time. Goodbye. Nobody covers dog sledding like mushing from First Paw Media. Our team of athletes, volunteers, race organizers, and mushers like Robert and Michelle Forto brings you closer to the sport. If it's happening, we are there. Live from the qualifying races in January and February, the Iditarod in March, and in the summer, mushing takes you on the road with our team and trail tour. We connect you with a history of the sport, in-depth interviews with a top mushers and great storytelling and breaking news all year long follow on mushing.com